clubhouse. I've never seen anything like it. Well, there isn't anything like it. Where does it end? Well... Well, you can't... You can't see that from here. <laughs> can't imagine what it takes to maintain this place. It takes everything, Claire. Takes everything we got. This is Steph. This is Sheila. And welcome back to the Pod Clubhouse coverage of Yellowstone. We are finally in season five. Uh, today we're talking about episode two, which is called The Sting of Wisdom. And I am super excited to be talking about this one today. I liked this episode a lot. I did too. I, I, I might have enjoyed this one more than the season premiere. I agree. I felt it was more dramatic in terms of the like... <gasps> Like, I did that several times. Right. So, so. before we start, I'm just going to say to the people who are listening, we assume that you've watched episode one and two by this point. We are going to talk about the show in depth. That's what we do here. So if you haven't watched, there will be spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of this episode, we have, we have a surprise. We have a, an exclusive interview with Chairman Thomas Rainwater himself. Actor Gil Birmingham joins me for a very short, very, very succinct <laughs> interview. It was only 10 minutes. We had a 10 minute slot. Lucky for us, I talk yeah, fast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was good. I'm excited. I can't wait to hear it. He was great. I was just, it was on Zoom. So uh, he got to see me in my little hovel. <laughs> which was hilarious. Uh, I have to, have to record in the quietest part of my house. And, you know, it, uh, it's not very glamorous looking. So um, he got a, he got a chuckle out of that. And, uh, yeah, funny. it was just wonderful to spend just 10 minutes with him. He was gracious and lovely. Nice. And, yeah, he just he just told us what it was like for season five. And no spoilers, but he um, but he was just great to talk to. So I can't wait for you guys to hear that, that uh, yeah. interview later on. That's super exciting. I have a question for you. So now, uh-huh. I don't know if this is me just being, you know, observant only because I watched season four very recently. I don't know if you remember at the beginning of season four, episode one, very, very start of the season, we got like this flashback to 1883 and right. we met the Duttons of that time. But And that was about the same time frame where we're at now Yeah, to when... 1883 premiered in December. So 1923 is the next one up and it does premiere December 18th. I just now saw something about it today, oh, like on really? Facebook or something like an ad. Oh, uh, very cool. Yeah. So I thought that was strange because I haven't seen much else about anything else about it. Yeah, I don't think I've seen many, like, trailers. I've seen Mm -hmm. posters, like, you know, online posters of, like, the Art Deco, you know, 1923 logo. But I haven't seen much live action so i was kind of hoping that they would drop something into one of these episodes to kind of because we did we got this long intro to the duttons to john's great 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 grandfather and you know they're dealing with the native american tribe that was there 
that they were ostensibly displacing. Mm-hmm. But I'm just excited for this this lineup. I don't know. I don't know how much of it you've seen. And for those of you that are listening, Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren, like just oh my gosh, can we just That's stop crazy. there? <laughs> yeah, they're the patriarch of the matriarch of the Dutton clan here. And if those two names weren't big enough for you, it also has Timothy Dalton. I don't know if you remember him from like 007 fame back in the mm-hmm. 80s. And it has Jennifer Ellie. I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but I remember her from Pride and Prejudice back in 1995, like the big BBC yeah. miniseries. She played Elizabeth Bennett. It also has Robert Patrick, Jerome Flynn, and James Badge Dale. As, and James Badge Dale plays John Dutton Sr., so kind of bringing us wow. almost to present. Because yeah. we've seen John Dutton Sr. in one of the flashback episodes. I think it was in season two or three. So does that mean that like 1883 was just that season that gave us the information we need? I period. think so. I think okay. so. And now we're getting 1923. And then we're getting also the spinoff of the four sixes, which. Yeah, which we Jim. spent a lot of time there. Right. You know, like last, season, last season. So. Right. But I don't know if we have like a release date yet for the four sixes. I haven't um, seen anything about it. But, you know, we're like six weeks away. No, not <laughs> even. We're like a month away because December 18th, it's it's we're recording this on November 11th. Right. So this will air on the 13th. Yeah. So, you know, it's a little less than a month. So I'm hoping that they do something similar because I think that was a really great introduction to the 1883 characters. We got a little sense of the relationship that they had with the natives at the time mm-hmm. and the struggles that they were dealing with, it, it hooked me early. So I'm hoping that we get something like that. And, you know, just as an aside, here at Pod Clubhouse, Caroline and Mike actually did a fantastic job covering 1883. And you can listen to that on whatever platform you listen to this on. And then Caroline and Mike are actually going to be back bringing you 1923 coverage when that premieres. So you will just be Yellowstoned <laughs> out. <laughs> Tons <laughs> come, of Yellowstone. Come around December 18th. And then supposedly sometime in early 2023 is when we're supposed to get the four sixes dropping so but again no trailer yet that i've seen so i haven't i'm excited i'm excited too you know i follow like all the bunkhouse boys on instagram and they (laughs) they they promote the show coming soon so maybe we need to just follow some more of those four sixes uh i don't think i follow taylor sheridan but i do follow jefferson white who plays jimmy I don't think Taylor Sheridan has much of an mm. online profile. I know his his wife actually has a Oh, seriously? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. We'll probably she's... get more information from her mm-hmm. than we would from yeah. him. <laughs> so, um, there's, lo- you know, there's lots of information to be sort of scoured on Instagram, at least. I'm not really much on any other platform, but yeah, so I don't know. I haven't so. seen anything about the four sixes. So, maybe Jefferson White will be teasing on his Instagram account soon about the four sixes so I can start liking and sharing and following him you know he did comment on one of my posts one time stop it or commented on one of my comments or something he responded and I was like oh my gosh I love how accessible these folks are when you're on Instagram yeah and okay so all that being said so we actually have another episode of Yellowstone proper right (laughs) to contend with let's get off the original (laughs) all right so let's dive in Oh, gosh. Okay. I don't want to. No, I'm just no, kidding. No. Uh, so we ended. Because of, of the lineup that we have right now. No, we yes. But here we go. We ended with such this terrible crash with Monica. And since we ended the last episode in the hospital, I kind of hoped we would skip 
the in-between because I, it was not great. <laughs> oh my God. Watching the aftermath was oh, actually worse. It was terrible. Then watching so, it happen last episode and we, and we know what the result is. So seeing mm-hmm. this aftermath, like, oh, oh my I didn't gosh. Really and, need it. Yeah. It was pretty horrific is what I wrote. Um, I wrote her graphic. screaming. Like it just was so horrible to watch. And to Tate for being so level headed and being able to like figure, remember how to send a pin in the midst of all of that. And, you know, not for nothing. I also wrote in my notes that like Monica not being in the car, I was like, holy shit, was she ejected from the car? Like, but then she was off in this field and I was like, she was over the fence. How do you, she can't get over the fence. She was ejected, right? I I don't know. She had to be or something like that. She had to have been. But it was like, if you have a cat, right? And a cat is sick. They try not to die in your house. Like, they try not to die where they live. Sheila. But that's my thought. It was just like, you know, I mean, I know she lives, but like, in her mind, maybe that's what she was doing. Like, she didn't want to be near Tate when she died. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So, that, that, you know, that was my morbid. This is why I didn't want to start with this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was. I just wrote, it was horrific. I mean, terrible to hear, terrible to see. I don't know that we needed to see that other than the drama factor of it all, other than just having you react. Right. You know, and just just, evoke emotion. That And just feeling so much worse for Monica. Like, this woman Mm -hmm. has literally, every season, at every turn, she has had some major misfortune. And I just have to wonder, why are we adding to her misery here? The more that I rewatched this episode, you know, we made our notes, we've been talking, the more I questioned, like started to realize like, okay, if this woman is ejected from the car over a fence, she's not back home the next day. Like, you know, it's sort of... How did she survive that without any internal injuries? Yeah, I I don't think that she was ejected. I think See, yeah, I thought she, she was. Yeah, yeah. So. Initially, I did, but then, like mm-hmm. you know, upon you know the rewatch and and uh, again rewatching this, I was cringing even just starting it up because I was like, I don't want to see that again. But don't you think, as a mom, she would be tending to Tate? Why would she walk away? I mean, it doesn't really matter. I'm just question like I'm yeah, just... I don't know. Um, that, but that's why I had that like cat feeling that like maybe she just didn't want to do this in front Aww. of Tate. But Tate was Aww. also knocked out. He came too in the car. Yeah, yeah, and you couldn't know? get out. That was and he yeah he couldn't get out. I was like, I've been to self. I need to been... put a knife in my car. God forbid. Yes, girl. I've been in an accident where I couldn't get my door open, and I was freaking out. Ugh. I was screaming. My mom was like, calm down. I was like, I will not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just I mean, couldn't get the door I, open. I was, it was horrible. I was seven months pregnant and I had to get <gasps> into my car from around oh, the passenger yes, side. Yes, I had to do that too. I did too. And I left the nastiest note on that person's car because they parked so close to me. It was at my job. And they, like, they parked so close to me that, I, I mean, like, even if I wasn't pregnant, I still wouldn't have been able to get in. It was that close. Right. But seven months pregnant. But I'm like, if my freaking water breaks because I have to straddle the console to get into my driver's seat, I am going to find this person and murder them. So. Uh, yeah. I had to do that with twins one time, too. Oh, well, pregnant with twins. I had to climb over. Oh, my gosh. Anyways. Not fun. But, no. Sorry, back to so, sorry for our digression. On. Yes, anyways. So I, I guess I'm happy to see they're they are home. They are I wouldn't even say in a good spot, but they're home, which is a good thing. So Tate 
is home with his little broken arm, bruises. It's so sad. Yeah, I think that the key takeaway from that scene is even with Tate and Casey is just saying, like, is she going to be okay? You know, it's sweet and sad that he's worried about his mom, as any kid would be. And I think it was good for Casey just to say those words like she lost a piece of herself because obviously that is what's happening. And, you know, as anyone, I can't imagine losing a child, but it has to be, you know, a piece of yourself that's missing. So I just appreciated that they put that line in there that they, you know, acknowledge. But now Tate wants them to try again. I know. I don't... You already said that. I was like, oh, I don't know, dude. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know how that, you know, comes about. And Casey mentioned it to Monica. And you just see the frailty. Yeah. In I her. wouldn't have said that just yet. I, I Yeah, I don't know what Casey's thought was, like well, how she was going to react. But, it you know, in his comment like that she's a strong woman, because then the next time we see them and they're on the porch and she says that, like, we're not going to do the what if game and I should have been there and right. should have done this. And which is really hard to do when you go through something yeah. like an accident. I mean, any that car accident that I was in, it was it was very much like I shouldn't have done that. I should have just stayed. I should have. I shouldn't have turned around like it was really hard for me. I mean, it took me probably years to stop thinking I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done, you know. So, and that was a minor, you know, well, maybe not minor, but anyways, we don't need to talk about that. Um, did you cry? Like I cried when she was on the porch yeah. with Casey just, and like they were just holding each other. Oh, I was crying. Yes. When, especially like when she was like crying the tears yes. onto Casey and the tears were going down his face as well from her. I was like, oh my God, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I'm sitting here with my head in my hands because I'm just like, yeah. oh, I can just see the pain in their faces and it's just like I just keep saying why like why do this to mm-hmm. them you know this was like a glimmer of hope and you know it's just I guess it's just senseless but you know I, I guess you know the the wheels of creativity behind the scenes have a reason but I was genuinely shocked at this next part that Monica said that she wanted to bury the baby at the ranch that she wants to have a funeral not that she wants to have a funeral that wasn't surprising but just uh-huh. a the fact that we talked about last time that they named him John yep and, you know, we, we feel that she had a part to play in that. Like, I don't think that Casey would be like, hi, the baby's name was John without consulting her. But A, she didn't say the baby's name, which I thought yeah. was both normal and abnormal at the same time. Like, if she said it or if she didn't say it, it, it was it is what it is. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but the fact that she wants to bury the baby at the ranch. What is the significance behind that? I was kind of agape at that. I didn't I didn't mm-hmm. expect that. Is it my imagination or did she say that so that we could always visit him? Did she yeah. say that? Oh, she yeah. did say that. Yeah. That would be the only thing that makes sense to me is the only place that will like she could always have access to, I guess. I don't know why you wouldn't at a different <laughs> cemetery, but maybe she still feels that sense of family for her husband's sake too, you know? I guess she thinks the Duttons are more of a family than John thinks the Duttons are a family. Yeah, I guess. And I guess she also has faith in the longevity of the ranch yeah and like you said the family thing i think just wanting him to be a part of the family plot but i'm i'm super glad that she finally asked when you said you saw the end of us is this what you saw i was thinking that and i need and you know we were saying last season in our coverage that we wanted to know the answer what did he see so i liked that he said you know that he never saw this coming because i was like okay good 
you know? Right. <laughs> like, whew. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, he, then he said it has, it's a choice that he has to make. So it comes down to him, which is really mm-hmm. interesting because we were saying last episode, like, it's really strange that they're not around for all of these big family events, right? Where typically yeah. an election night and an inauguration, you ha- you're surround like politicians, they surround themselves with their family, their support network. And, you know, we have said the Casey Dutton family was noticeably absent for all three of those yeah. events. And we gave Monica the pass because she was very pregnant for the inauguration. But at the same time, like Casey was off, you know, corralling horses when he yeah. could easily have passed it off. I, we didn't even talk about it last episode. I Officer agree. Hendon. I wrote that. Yeah. Officer Hendon, good to see that he's not in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I wrote that in my notes. Like, why was Casey even there? Like I said last episode, it seems so far away. So if your wife is eight months to nine months pregnant, no, you're not going, buddy. You're staying home. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. But um, that's that should have been that we're not playing, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) Shouldn't have gone, dude. Shouldn't have been on the Canadian border. (laughs) Yeah. So I was glad that that question got asked. I mean, it's not like he actually answered specifically what he saw, but... I was glad that that wasn't what he saw as the end of them and that he never saw that coming. That kind of almost felt like relief a little bit. I'm not sure why. Right. Well, because it was such a catastrophic event and then he had this vision, you know, shortly before. It's a logical question to ask. Like it's not outside the realm of of what should be asked at that time. But just knowing now that he has to make a choice is also concerning because what would push him to choose that and i feel now that we know that there's a 14 episode season and we're talking about this (laughs) that there might be some limits that get pushed how else are they going to fill this time (laughs) (laughs) right that's a lot of episodes that's a a lot of yellowstone i'm excited because like that's been one of our critiques of sort of the end of some of the couple of last seasons where we're just like damn they have crammed way too much stuff into these yes, episodes they and it, do. It, it was hard to keep up and our episodes kept swelling in time yeah some of our some of those episodes especially in the first couple seasons had so much in it like so much to cover so much to say because it was so much happening so yeah maybe we have a little bit of extra time to cover a little bit more storyline <laughs> i also want to see some character development of some of the the new players that we have mm-hmm. that we get introduced yeah. to the season and you know find out like what angela blue thunder is doing back and things like that like i i need them to explore some of these characters a little bit more yeah. for me to i think like we them. you said in our last episode like we can't just watch jamie and beth fight all the time like, let's oh have, yeah, we'll talk about that because yeah, <laughs> but like let's their, have a little bit more from our function on display again today. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. I mean, this is a terrible situation for Casey and Monica. It's sad to see. I don't feel any better about it. This episode, you know, like I don't. Oh, so much oh, worse. Gosh. It yeah, not. it's worse. I don't know. Maybe we'll feel a little bit of closure or something if they do have a funeral. It's not going to get better. It's not it's good. Not gonna get better. And the fact that, like, when she got up out of bed Ugh. and she cradled her belly and, you know, know, you're still, like, six months pregnant after you give birth. You know, you still yes. have that, that roundness to your belly. You know, that really drove home. Do you know like, what that made me think of was the, the phantom baby kicks? Yes. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, can we move on to something else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just, yeah. This is just... <laughs> 
It's awful. Can't we stop? Sorry. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just not good. And, you okay. know, like my kid is sleeping in the next room. I'm just like, I want to go give him a hug. I know, right? I'll be right back. Yeah, BRB. <laughs> All right. Yes. Let's continue. Let's continue the dysfunction train, shall we? Who's right. next? <laughs> Don't we have some Rip and Carter dysfunction? Oh. Don't we have some? Jeez. Oh, what is wrong with Rip? I'm going to say, like, the man has a screw loose this season. There we go. I'm, I'm going to be controversial right out of the gate, 21 minutes in. There we go. Drop the bomb. Man's got a screw loose. He is wound so very tight. Last episode, for instance, like when he was talking to Beth at the inaugural party, sitting on sitting on display on the hill for everyone to see, like him looking down on them. And, you know, he tells Beth that he, that he likens this to Nero, the emperor Nero in Rome, mm-hmm. playing the fiddle as Rome burns. And now he's just so awful to everybody that he encounters except Beth and John when he sees John this episode. Yeah. He is so foul to the Bunkhouse Boys. He is so, he's beyond foul to Carter this episode. Yeah. I wanted to reach through my TV and slap him. I mean. Is this him feeling John's absence, do you think? Like, why he's wound so tight and he's so, he's about to snap. You know, we were talking uh, in our last episode, like, he maybe he feels sort of, like, unsure because John hasn't been around and things are different. I feel a sense of, like, maybe frustration from him. Or um, stress, honestly. Like when you are overwhelmed with work and, you know, stuff's going on at home and then your car, you know, your car battery dies and this and then like your kid walks in the room and you just like rip their head off. It's like you're just at that point and it's not anyone's fault. And you're like, oh, tell me, am I the only one who's ever done? That? OK, um, no, but, no, you know, you're, like, you're right. OK, <laughs> you were like. Silence. I was like, oh, well, no. I was letting you uh, say your piece. Yeah. So, and then I was you know, mute. maybe he's um, <laughs> at this just emotional or frustration level and just has no patience with anyone because I don't feel like Carter's done anything or I don't think there's any justification of the way he's treating him. So, but yeah, he's horrible to Carter. You know, you said something last episode that he might be feeling abandoned. Yeah. And I think that might be more of it. I feel that, like, you know, John's been this presence in his life since he's 14 years old. And John even said, I'm not sure if it was this episode or last episode, that he has barely spent a night away from the ranch. Right. um, Since he took it over when he was, like, 34 years old or something like that. So I feel that maybe Rip is feeling left behind or or maybe just Mm -hmm. uncertain about the ranch's future because the fixture of John has not been the constant that it's been. And then also, you know, you sometimes lash out the worst to the people you love the most. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Carter has grown on him and he just feels that he can unload on Carter. I mean, I know for me, I start to feel these types of things when change is happening or coming. Sure. And so I get stressed or whatever and other things are bothering me and I don't really realize it until I realize, oh, wait, something's about to change. Right. Or Like you're not mad at the thing in front of you. It's the change sort of management happening in the back of your brain that you Mm -hmm. may not even be conscious of. 
I feel like that might be kind of what's going on. It doesn't excuse your behavior to treat someone like that, but I'm sort of feeling this like stress level from him. It's going to be something to watch because I I just feel like the tension is just ratcheting up, especially what happens towards the end of this episode. I feel like Rip is kind of at a breaking point from the stress level. Well, they kind of hint to the fact that like Beth hasn't been around and... Right. You know, she comes back for one night and he was like, oh, I didn't think I was going to see you. So, I mean, if if Beth's gone and hasn't been around and John's John's been gone gone. and he's got different responsibilities or decisions to make. Right. And then his his constants aren't around for him to kind of blow off steam with. Yeah. But as mean as Rip was to Carter this episode, it was also kind of hilarious at the same time. Just one part in particular when he says that God didn't add extra daylight to Tuesday. <laughs> I'm sorry I shouldn't laugh, but it was just it made me chuckle so just out of just like where did that come from? He has lines like that sometimes that are yeah. just funny. Like he's just says the most but we random. need more of that because otherwise Jake yeah. is gonna come off as a real big jerk this whole season <laughs> if he doesn't find his center in this new world. But I do appreciate that Lloyd is the biggest softie with Carter. Yeah. I feel like Carter needs a little bit of a softer touch uh, Mm because he's not getting it from Beth. He's definitely not getting it from Rip. So, you know, Lloyd has proven himself to be a big softie. Do you remember the end of episode uh, of the, I'm sorry, the season finale for season four when Jimmy's off to the four sixes and Lloyd doesn't stick around to say goodbye. He just kind of nods and walks off. Mm-hmm. Like him and Jimmy earlier in that episode had had a moment where Lloyd was like, oh, you're not staying. You're leaving. And Lloyd got really emotional. Like he was tearing yeah. up. He gave Jimmy a big hug. I'm like, Lloyd, you big softy. So <laughs> I see that same emotion when he's dealing with Carter. Like I, he has like this a kinder look on his face. He's smiling when he talks to Carter. I think he reads Carter better than anybody mm-hmm. else. Maybe John. Maybe John's the only one who else who comes close. And I didn't realize until I watched again, but Lloyd mentions that he thinks Carter's wearing his old chaps because he told him to go get some chaps on yes. and then he came back out. He's like, oh, I think those were mine. I was like, oh. And he just has like this big grin on his face. So I just, yeah. I like the fact that Lloyd is taking Carter on in like a mentorship kind of a role and, yeah. you know, making sure that he learns the right way. And I just appreciate that because... Like, let's do better for the next generation. Like, that's just the mantra that we need to go with here for these Yellowstone crowd. But this situation with Rip and Carter, it was also another part of the episode that was really horrible. When we revisit them and they're out in the field and Carter crashes the horse. I didn't know you could crash a horse. And it it was really sad and (laughs) I didn't like it at all. No, I, and couldn't I was like, watch. I no. had to look away because I knew it was coming the second time I, wa- I watched yes, this episode I three times. Oh my gosh, I did the same thing. So the first time I was like, <gasps> yes, and then I the second like, time I covered my eyes and was like, no, I no, looked no, away. No, no, no. I was just like, I heard it happen. I heard the horse do <gasps> his, like, I just turned my head away from the microphone, but I heard the horse do the thing that the horse did. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I, I couldn't oh, no. watch it again. So I agree. Isn't that funny? No, I did the exact same thing. I couldn't watch like, it again. I'm cool with people getting blown up and shot right? and, and everything on television and in movies but don't hurt an animal oh poor little horsey i was like don't do it no 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 the only other like so yeah it was horrible to watch this poor horse carter's hurt and he starts crying it was so sad i was literally like so upset he felt more awful for the horse than his broken arm 
Yes. Like it was clear and, his arm was broken from yeah. the time that he even just tried to get up and, uh, you know, that sound that he made was almost as awful as the horse. <laughs> and then Rip, you know, just, well, he rips into Carter. You yeah. Know, not like, there, I did it again. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> he rips into him. He r- rip, just rips into him. Tough love doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, it really doesn't. Like, but like, Rip, um, like, like Rip should be happier. Like he he got married. He's you know he's got the love of his life. But I mean, obviously she's out and about prancing around with the governor. But this is something to keep an eye on because Rip as a powder keg is dangerous. Yeah, he's like Liam Neeson and Taken. Like he's got a particular <laughs> set of skills, and you know if he can just hunt you keep... across the world based on a voicemail. But we have to keep, you know, we got to keep Rip on the, like, the straight and narrow. He's got to, you know, I, I say straight and narrow, realizing how laced with irony that is. But he's got to mm-hmm. stay on the side of good for the Duttons. Because, you know, him going off stressed out and, and having some sort of a breakdown is not going to be good for anybody. Right. You know, I'm thinking of that poor, like, medical technician in the, uh, when, what was it, when Lee, was it when Lee died? And they needed to, like, doctor the autopsy and he, like set fire to the autopsy room lee died i remember that scene but i don't remember who died i don't know but if something it was with, that you know he, that's what i said like he's got a particular set of skills like he knows yeah. how to blow up uh an autopsy um a pathology suite so, yeah you know he's gotta we gotta be careful with rip we gotta handle him with a little bit more kid gloves and you know ryan later on isn't helping matters when he's all yeah i think the only part that sort of maybe re- deemed rip just a smidge wasn't he because he was like i bet you're sorry and then he was like i'm sorry too i was like okay well maybe yeah. he's like relating slightly there but maybe i mean you're right there's there. not a lot of um <laughs> compassion going no around. there was not a lot of compassion there at all but there there was at least that shred of humanity that's a, yeah. I was like okay i you, did right in my notes when he told him to get on john's horse i thought whoa he gets to ride john's horse yeah, like, I thought that was a big responsibility. And then for this to happen, I was like, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. I actually have something in my notes for later about mm-hmm. that. So we have a baby John Dutton who's going to be buried at the ranch. We have John's horse meeting this violent end. There's just a lot of death happening around John right now. It's not him, but it's mm-hmm. in his sphere, like his horse. Like a man and his horse is almost like a man and their dog, you know, Yeah. in this world. And it just, I don't know, there's just, there's a theme. Like we saw like in episode one, there was a lot of like John's shoulders that we saw, like the weight of the governorship, the yeah. weight of the ranch's future. Like, like resting on John's shoulders and now we have this baby and now there's going to be this funeral at the ranch and John's horse. I don't know there's just there's something afoot I don't know what it is yet because we're only two episodes in and that's all we've right. seen but there's definitely some themes that are being laid down so far yeah for sure I don't like it well I mean we'll talk about this later but you know through this entire series there's always that wolf thing that comes around too and casey seeing wolves and john seeing, so i mean there there's always this sort of we kind of can't put it together like this unknown sort of puzzle of all these weird symbolic things happening around john you know right. and now there's sort of more of them so we'll see but yeah let's see what happens with rip next maybe he <laughs> loses his shit i don't know <laughs> He needs to hit something, not a human. He just oh, needs yeah. to hit something really hard. He needs to go to the gym. 
No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, like take some of that out on some weights and maybe yeah, pound yeah. the treadmill a little bit and <laughs> imagine that he's pounding somebody's face. I don't know. We need a bull in a bar scene. That's what he needs. He needs Ooh, to let loose. Ooh, that was a good scene. That we need another one scene. of those. Yep. That we would be fun. We're reaching way back here in the Yellowstone yeah. time machine. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be fun. So somebody else who's a little tightly wound is, is poor Jamie. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. We talked about this okay. last episode. We'll talk about it now. We'll just get it out of the way. I'm sorry. Door slamming does not have a place in the state capitol. A door slamming competition between a brother and a sister does not have a place in the state capitol. Like, there Come are on. big things being dealt with. You're dealing with people's lives, their livelihood, their futures. I don't think you should be taking a childish approach like slamming doors, but that's just me. Well, I mean, it's better than punching a wall, I guess. I don't know. True. Well, you know, Beth mm-hmm. has also not really treated the state capitol with a lot of respect. No. She's throwing a baseball Mm-mm. at Jamie's head. Uh, I believe it was Didn't last Didn't she season. burn her cigarette into the table? Into the conference room table. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, <laughs> we said it last uh, episode, I'm a little oh over Beth's adult tantrums. This is annoying because the scene before, which um, we'll talk about, is Jamie trying to explain legally what is happening. And if you do this, this will happen. And if you do this, this will happen. And Linnell saying he's right. Yes. And so he walks away and Beth slams the door. Don't you ever contradict him again. I'm like, were you not just listening to what? what like She doesn't care. She doesn't care. It's like, again, like, why, why do you, it's just pride or something. Like, you have to be above him no matter, even though he's helping and he's right. And there's another professional person in the room saying he's right. Listen to what he's saying. We talked about this last episode. We said, you know, is Jamie being a good public servant, a good son here? And is he giving John good advice? And we said, yes, we feel that he is doing the right thing. Maybe his motives may not be pure because, you know, Beth has some dirt on him. Yeah. But I also think that he's doing a good job right now. Yeah. The way that he's explaining things. And I mean, it took me three episodes of three times to watch it to get it all straight because there was a lot it's confusing yeah like our our resident lawyer was not available to us damn it but that's Uh, okay we'll forgive him (laughs) i mean okay so this whole scene with beth and jamie it just pissed me off because she is such a bitch to him like it's not even that funny to watch it's so uncomfortable for her to be like okay now say yes ma'am Oh, good boy. Like, come on. Enough like, already. that was. Enough. I said, she's acting like a teenager. Like, this isn't justified at all. Like, just stop. Right. Like, okay. So, it almost, it just kind of made me mad. I was like, okay, that's enough. I want you home at the weekend so I can keep yes. an eye on you. Like, come oh my on. Don't say yes, ma'am. Like, what? And then, okay, so I get the whole, you know, we talked about this recently, too, and that I'm back and forth on Jamie. Like, I kind of defend him a little bit. But this is the point. I was like, dude, come on. Like, he just looks so defeated. And the look on his face this whole episode was just of, you know, just fear. Disbelief to, to a certain yeah, extent. Like, I, yeah, he's just this sort of, like, staring. Like, what? And I guess I could understand, like, how do you react to someone like Beth? Like, if he would have stood up to her, then who knows what she would do? Well, he can't stand up to her right now because she has photographic evidence against him from the train station, right? Which is not good because she can't ever use it. Like, here's the thing. She can't ever use it 
because then it would expose the train station's location. Right. And then everybody on the Dutton Ranch would be in handcuffs. Right. And behind bars. So they would all be hanging out with Summer Higgins in jail. I guess I do sort of want Jamie to find a way to stand up to her. It's just hard to watch. And it's... I have a little bit of a different take on that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I feel that he's ripe for... <sighs> This is not right to say, but um, it's, it's like he's right. He's ripe for like a betrayal of some description. Right. And that, that's probably what's coming. And or some sort of manipulation by like the, the market equities folks. Yes. Ellis, I think that's where we're headed. For I sure. think that's where we're headed. But I just feel that he also has Christina in his back pocket. His hmm. baby mama. We haven't heard from her this season. She appeared last season after being absent for a significant amount of time showing up with unnamed baby Dutton. Even she drives me crazy. But she does drive me crazy. Story. But she does have her own political chops, and she's invested yeah. in Jamie succeeding. So I feel that she might pop up soon too, just to create some more dramatic tension. Mm-hmm. Because we already know that her and Beth do not get along. She's the one ally that Jamie has, and her only dog in the race is Jamie. She doesn't have any loyalty to the Duttons. She hates John. She hates Beth even more. But I just don't know where she is. Because we just haven't seen her, but I, I always kind of yeah. keep her in my back, in the back of my mind, because it's like she did pop up after a long time, and you and I kept saying, yeah. well, "She's going to show up soon. She's going to show up," and she did. Yeah. Well, and it's like I feel like no matter what happens with Jamie, he's he's never going to do anything right. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's absolutely. always going to be fucked up. So it's almost like you're proud of him for making a move, like any move, like just doing something to stand up for himself but then he always makes the wrong choice or does it in the wrong way and so then we don't like him because he is like betraying his family or whatever so it's it's so back and forth with him it's like you want him to stand up to her but then the way he does that is probably with some sort of betrayal or something and then we don't like him for doing that so it's like this guy cannot win but this is why i really enjoy his character because yeah. of that complex nature that he has it's like does he know where he belongs no he's, no he's still on the fence about it so his loyalty is kind of like up for grabs and i'm still holding out that you know the mommy lineage is going to come out and we're going to find uh-huh. out you know who he really is and I, I think that this story arc for jamie's not done yet there's still mm. more oh, yeah. to learn about him you know just to understand like where his loyalty is going to fall is going to be very interesting because he's had a lot of people talking in his ear that aren't Duttons right he had his father last season he's had Christina Christina you know so and then he has Linnell backing him up like you said saying that he is saying the right things here he is giving you good advice and yet they still yeah. treat him like dirt. And like John, a yeah. couple of times this episode, there was one in particular who goes, I want it on my desk in an hour. And I'm like, what does he want on his desk in an hour? His resignation? Like, what does he want? Because Jamie's like, can we talk about that? Like, he got visibly scared. Yeah. And that's the only kind of reaction that I kind of, you know, ascribed to it, that he was afraid. Yeah, I saw fear for sure yeah. in his eyes. Beth just looks like self-satisfied with what was going on but I also don't trust Jamie because he has betrayed the Duttons before with that you know going to that reporter back in season one even though that didn't come out but you know he's not great at covering his tracks and like I said he's just so complex like he sat after that whole debacle went down you know he sat in a field with a shotgun 
Yeah. You know, so he has his demons as well. And, you know, hearing Beth do the things and say the things to him that she's saying, like, this is damaging. And at some point, like, I feel like he's, I feel like he's just ready to strike out. I don't know what that strikeout's going to be, but like, we're going to see something from Jamie this season. There we go. There's your hot take. There we go. We're going to see him do something. (laughs) Yeah. To stand up for himself. And I don't know if it ends with him being pushed off the train station cliff or what by Beth, but something's going to happen. See, so I noticed in this episode that they, I don't know who or how I meant, who mentioned it, but I did hear that he sold his ranch. Beth says it to him. Oh, I okay. heard you sold your ranch. Yeah. So remember last time I said he should just disappear and create a new identity. That's what I want him to do. I want him to take the money from the ranch, just find some little shack in, on the beach of Cancun and just sip margaritas all day. Be done with this nonsense. That could be a good solution. Just run away, right? Anyway. Right. This way Beth can't find you, uh, yeah. even though she's threatened that Rip would find him under a hole wherever he oh, hid gosh. wherever. Do we need to talk about the things that he was advising, John? You know, Jamie is trying to help, is is what we're getting at. And, and we feel he's genuine in that. I do, yeah. And so we get this whole picture. It's like a lot of information about this land lease and canceling this lease and trying to, you know, he's advising what's going to happen. You're, you will be sued and this will happen. And, and um, they will so- win. Yeah, there's a lot happening with John and all of this information, and it's a little frustrating to watch because he's sort of like not listening to anybody. I think this episode in particular showed just how inexperienced John is with this. Like, he didn't take the time to prepare for the governor's role. And we can talk about like that, like with the chief of staff thing in particular, that he just wasn't taking this whole thing seriously. And, you know, he has it in his mind that his whole campaign slogan is that he, you know, he's going to return Montana to what it looked like before. And he's going to be a steward of the land. But he didn't take any time in the the whole time that he was running for governor to (laughs) understand the trappings of the office, right? Yeah, and to plan who should be his chief of staff. First of all, and then, you know, yeah. maybe having those conversations with Lynette, like maybe run down, like, who are these trade alliances? Who are these organizations? I just felt like he was like a fish out of water for a lot for of this sure. episode. And he just couldn't hear no. a lot of the things that were coming at him. You know, and I, I just feel like, he's like a tipper tip. Like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to that meeting. Cancel that. I'm yeah. not doing that. Like, again, oh a God. tantrum. So, yes. But I feel like this this very narrow approach that he has to governing is going to be John's biggest source of trouble this season. I said it last episode. I think you agreed that we don't see him finishing this four year term. If he's going to be this grumpy after only three days in office, I think somebody said <laughs> three it's only office, three days in office. And. <laughs> I think Linnell's spelling out for him in particular that market equities is just going to figure out that they can just wait him out for four years. Exactly. Gives John like a moment's pause that maybe he needs to, you know, sort of get back on the horse, so to speak, and, and you know, take this seriously. He can't just like cancel his lease and then, you know, be done with the governorship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's not going to make them go away. And, and Linnell said it, I'm not sure which episode, that she, he, he needs to take this time to like build alliances and do the political favors and build like a legal wall around Montana. She said Montana in his ears, he's only hearing the ranch. And I also noticed that Linnell, her flirty banter with him is gone this episode. 
She <laughs> is frustrated with him, his lack of willingness to play ball. She's just trying to get him to fall in line because he has this job now. She spent a lot of time as the governor building the state to where she wanted it to be. And, you know, I think she's looking at him like, you're just going to make it all crumble to the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, she's trying to help. Him. She's like, I'll absorb as much of this as possible. But at some point, like, she's got to be like, he's got to stand yeah, on his own Yeah, you got to do this by yourself. Right. I'm not the governor. Mm -hmm. I'm the senator. And I will have to go to Washington soon. Linnell, to me, she gave a stern warning to John and it didn't come out as that. But like after like watching it, you know, as many times as I did, I kind of heard it differently. Her warning him about the role of governor and the fact that he needs to like play the game or it plays him. That sounded really ominous to me. Like, I feel like he might be leaving the door open for like another market equities type firm or even like a Beck Brothers situation, bringing it back mm -hmm. to like season two. <laughs> See, I think so, yeah. too. you know situation to kind of waltz in undetected because john is just like sweeping these alliances and these organizations you know to the side these political groups that he ne he might need to protect the state protect his ranch from some other unforeseen entity and i feel like that was a warning to him that he needs to pay attention because something could happen yeah. And he's not he's not looking at it. And, and I feel like it goes back to that statement that we made before about Rip. Like you said that, you know, he might be feeling that the ranch is exposed with John's absence. And I think Linnell is saying that if you don't pay attention, Montana, your ranch is going to be exposed. Mm -hmm. He's just trying to put out this not a little fire, but the fire that he sees in front of him. And he's not paying attention to yeah. what People are telling him, Linnell and Jamie, that there's other ways that they're going to come after you. So you have to, you know, really play the game and dig in and get involved and do something about it, not right. just like cancel take, the lease. Take the blinders off. Stop looking yeah. at this one issue as all issues. Maybe our lawyer can advise us next time on what they're talking about because that was confusing. <laughs> I guess I had to watch it like three times. I'm like, what? If they cancel the lease and the thing is zoned for agriculture and then, but then there was a pardon for the, but it hasn't been voted on. There's a one year. I was like, okay, what? Yeah. So <laughs> my takeaway from this was that the lease with market equities for the land for the airport is what Jamie set up. And that was with yes. the Duttons. And if John cancels the lease, that leaves the Duttons exposed to litigation that will win because basically it's breach of contract. Yeah, it's breach of contract. And yeah. And then the land was still zoned for agriculture. That hadn't happened or the change in the zoning hadn't happened yet. And that's that five-person board that they yes, talked the about. Yes, little committee, yeah. Right. And it, it can, involves the governor, the attorney general. There's like a public superintendent. Like Linnell ran down the list of who it was. So right. they set up drinks with the two people that they knew would play ball. But Linnell also warned John that market equities funded the campaigns of those other three. So right. she has to, you know, she has to kind of lay it out for him that he needs to do them favors politically so that they play ball with him. So he has to do the favor you right. know, to get the favor from them. And Which is like to... sort of why they had the whole like they were trying to get him to have this like education initiative yes, meeting. Initiative and it's like and those stuff. are the things that you have to do. To grease the wheels of government. Yeah. It's, it's icky. Isn't it sickening, really? It is. That's what it's just, it's, it, oh, my it's gosh, icky. Sheila. And Get out of my like, head. We wonder why government is so inefficient. Ugh, God. But that's basically what John is saying, that he just wants to cancel the lease. And Jamie's like, y you can't do that. Like, they will sue, you will win. Yeah, it's just like you're not paying attention. You're just 
Right. He wants to proceed with, you know, revoking the state permits. And that's that press conference that happens this episode, which doesn't leave John personally open for litigation, but it it will just stall market equities for a beat until they get the funding from somewhere else because like the state's going to pull their funding. Right. So that's what I took from that, that, you know, Jamie is giving him the legal ease and it took me three times to digest it all. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was a lot. But it made sense after kind of really, you know, I literally sat and wrote it all out and like typed it out (laughs) and I'm just like, okay, here's, here's what it is. And like Linnell sort of like in the margins going, he's right. And this is correct. And, you know, you, you will lose. I like that she said, you know, Jamie put it, the land in a lease and he was smart to do that. So it's like, hello. It, He's it trying to help best, you. Yeah, well, it offered the mm-hmm. best protection because then the Duttons still own the land. Right. And then they get a revenue stream from it, you know, in perpetuity, basically. So, yeah, there's there's a lot in there, but I feel like Jamie's guidance is good. And yet he's still the bad guy. And he's still the bad guy because Beth is the one in John's ear feeding him yep. that he's sniveling and worthless and all the rest of it. I'll still go back to that episode one where, like, Jamie's staring at her from the backseat going, we're all going to prison. Takes a sip of his drink. Uh, We're all going to prison. (laughs) He's like, oh, shit. Um, So, yeah. So, uh, you know, John makes this, like, just blanket decision. We're canceling the lease. So then we get this, like, fallout from market equities. Caroline Warner brings in her ringer or closer or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Well, whatever sure what she is just yet, yeah right? she's just Sarah like the attack Atwood. dog yeah she looks familiar from another show and i can't place it but she was a badass and if i'm thinking of the same person but either way i like her presence i like the way she just walks in and um i did think it was slightly annoying how she like belittled that guy for looking at her the same way that beth does i was like come on my first impression of her was that she's a more polished beth her demeanor yeah. comes off as very Beth-like, like you said. I hope that she's a different character. I want to see her develop. They have the time and the room this season to allow that to happen. So I want to see what she brings to the table. I don't want her to be Beth in a shorter skirt. Right. With a lower voice. <laughs> yeah, and brown hair. Yeah, I liked it when she's. I like when she's angry, and then I make a lot of money. I want to know, how are you going to make a lot of money? What does this mean? Tell me right. more. Are you paid hourly? Yes. Like, what is that? Wait, What's wait, happening? Wait. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do that you're going to make all this money off of Caroline Warner being angry? But she also picks up on exactly what Ellis said about Jamie. She's like, I'm going to start with him. He looks weak and vulnerable. Right. That he's like the easy prey. Yes. But I also like the fact that Caroline Warner is becoming more unhinged dealing with the Duttons like I feel like her allowing this (laughs) to become personal is going to cause her to make some sort of a misstep (laughs) she's like I'm so tired of dealing with these fucking hillbillies (laughs) like whoa girl you know she said at the end of last season that you know you've made this personal well I feel like when you allow things to become personal then you become blinded by rage and yeah. even as the press conference is happening, the the thirty seven second press conference where John's canceled all the permits, and as he's walking away out of the room, Beth's like, "No questions." Oh my gosh! <laughs> like, I know. Really? It's not a press conference. But 
Caroline sounds like she, I, I I wrote in my notes that she sounds like Ursula from The Little Mermaid barking her orders <laughs> after the press conference. I want to cease and desist or anything else you can throw at them. And it was just like, oh my god, like is this where we're going? Like, but then I just, you know take a step back. I was like, where is she going? I was like, no. So she's really allowed the gloves to come off and she's making this very personal and i just feel like this is where she's going to slip up and somehow beth is going to get the one up back on her exactly like how did beth get out of being sued i had a corporate espionage like so what happened i don't you know. know yeah i don't know what happened but if i had a thought so between linnell and john i figure one of those two governors could pardon beth yeah. Because I looked this up. I, I did some research. That's what I do. Um, a governor can so pardon. Funny. A governor can pardon for everything up to a murder sentence. Like, can't commute sentences for murder. Okay. So I guess Beth doing corporate hmm. espionage could potentially have been a pardonable. Is that a word? Did I just create a word? Pardonable. A pardonable. Um, someone who could be pardoned by a governor and would be kind of like her sins would be washed away, I suppose. I guess. But I don't know. We don't know. We haven't seen that paper being signed, <laughs> granting her a pardon. <laughs> we don't know if she was charged with anything. It doesn't seem so. But we don't know. Yeah. A lot of time yeah. passed between the end of season four. We, we had a whole full-term pregnancy between the end of season four. <laughs> And and this whole uh, season might be marked by the nine months that took Monica. To yeah, but it's pregnant. the only way that we really kind of know how much time. Is yeah. Passed. Before we move on from the Margaret Equities folks, I do think it's interesting that they've added so many women to the cast yeah. in these high-powered and vicious, really roles. We have Beth, we have Angela Blue Thunder, Caroline Warner, and now Sarah Atwood. Sarah, and even like yeah. even like Teeter, like even Teeter's getting more airtime. Yeah. And I just appreciate the diversity in the cast because it's been it's been pretty male heavy from the yeah. beginning. Yeah, well, it started out very cowboys and Indians shoot 'em up kind of thing, quite literally. Um, yeah, and then we've transitioned into this like yes, power play of like, and we still have our cowboys, which makes me happy. But again, I think I've said I want to see that though, right? From Angela Blue Thunder. And I guess now from Sarah Atwood, like, show me what that means. Because you're telling me these women are like, they're, you're bringing them in. Like, bring me Sarah Atwood. Okay. Right. Show me what like, she like can do. I want to know. from the depths yes. of hell. <laughs> I want to know what makes sound. Angela Blue th- Thunder so scary. I want to know. Well, I think that's a really good segue here because we didn't see much of Thomas Rainwater this episode either other than mm-hmm. he's going to watch the press conference and angela's there with her represented parties they look like her parents do they look like her parents Did you oh see God. they're like older people like and once when she goes to leave at the end the people walking out behind her were like two like an older man and an older woman i was like did she bring her mom and dad <laughs> oh i thought that she was maybe representing interested parties that maybe yeah, the hotel and casino project attached to like the market equities development you know now that it's kaput that she's interested in representing them we're invested in these characters and and whatnot and i want to see the payoff but like angela just so far these two episodes i'm just like our our colleague paul he said very succinctly he's like she looks like a cartoony villain like you know twisting her mustache yeah um without knowing her purpose yet and i'm just kind of left like wondering like 
who brought you back from the pasture, so to speak, right? She was, she was here to initially, uh, Rainwater brought her in to stop market equities back in season three. And we didn't see her for all of season four. And now she's yeah. back, but we don't know why. What's she been doing? Where'd she go? Right. Well, I want to see a lot more from Rainwater and Mo, of course, because Mo's awesome. And yes. Angela Booth Thunder. So I need more. One thing that we didn't touch on is, so when John has this meeting with the other two of the five, yes. the group who needs to make the decision on the zoning, right? So he decide, so he decides that he's going to put the land in a conservation easement after he cancels the lease, right? thinking that this will protect the ranch and him from this lawsuit that he will lose from market I feel equities. like they've discussed this option before, but... Well, I went back. I went back in our notes. I went back to our old podcast in season two. In season two, Beth talks to her boss, Bob, from Schwartz and Meyer way back when about buying up the ranches around. She wants to create a 200-mile moat right around the ranch. She's putting them into a conservation easement, which will essentially have the government paying the taxes and... Essentially making it so that the nothing can be done to that land. Not putting the ranch in a conservation easement back then, but she was putting those houses that she was snatching up all around the ranch into this conservation easement, and the government was, was funding this. So John somehow got a hold of this notion of this conservation easement, but this is the problem. Like, he... I don't know if he's thought it all through, but Beth advises him that this is a really terrible idea because now it locks the land down essentially from development, sale, sale to cover taxes or losses or anything that they need. And he says this thing and it really, I don't know, it, it, it hasn't sat well with me since I, I watched it. He says that if it, even if it goes down, it'll be whole. It'll, yes. What does that mean? I said, but why? I wrote, but why? Why is does he it genius matter? or delusional? I think you know there's some sort of promise made to his father to never sell off pieces of the land or whatever. But at this point, why not? You know, because I'm remembering from last episode, from episode one of the season, where Jamie said that the ranch loses money every year. So at some mm-hmm. point, you do need to either sell off something or find a new revenue stream, and that's where he challenges Beth because she's like. That's yeah. when she said the thing about, you know, that she's charging the his campaign for the inauguration, right? Well, I think they're trying to find, you know, they have the horses that they're buying with right. Travis Jimmy from and Texas right. and apparently weddings that might, <laughs> may or may not include hayrides. <laughs> and then, uh, but yeah, it's it doesn't seem like a good option or the best one or whatever. I thought it was kind of weird how... You know, they're having this little chat and the the two commissioners are like, yeah, but do you understand how much tax revenue that you're taking away? Like, this is going to bring in this and this. And then he goes, well, I'm going to put it in a conservation easement. And they go, oh, OK. And they stand up and shake, it, shake his hand. In the beginning. And I was like, why is that a horse of a different color? I don't understand. Like, what? Right. Like, and all of a sudden they're like, OK, yep, we're going to play. Ball. OK, cool. I was like, what? So 
I'm not a lawyer. But he also nor... talks. Yeah, but he also talks about that he's going to increase the tax revenues to make up in for other what ways without building a new road or a new structure. I'm like, but he doesn't explain how. And then they go, true oh, okay, politician they... style, true yes. politician style. But then he says about the conservation easement, and all of a sudden they're like on board. But I just don't understand. Like, if you're going to now wall up your ranch and you're not insulating yourself from future needs or setting yourself up to protect yourself from future changes. I I just has me wondering where is his mind and where does he see this going? Because Beth had said at some point in a prior season, like, this is his Alamo and I will stand on that wall. Yeah. And I just, I'm getting the feeling that, like, at some point, like, this is just going to be like this huge albatross that they're not going to be able to salvage. I agree. And Jamie doesn't know about this conservation easement thing because that was said at the the meeting that he wasn't at. Because John yeah. said that at the meeting at the bar where it was just Beth, him, and the two other of the group of five, right? Right. The commissioners or whatever right. they're so called. So Jamie doesn't know about this and Linnell doesn't know about this. So I'm just wondering, like, does John think that this is an ace up his sleeve? Is there some other part to it that we don't know about? I don't know. This is going to be very oh, interesting goodness. to see how this all goes. I did write that down. Why is this a horse of a different color? I, I don't understand. I thought that was a very good use of a horsey metaphor <laughs> yes. for this show. <laughs> well, that's a horse of a different color. Come on in. <laughs> okay. Anyways, I don't know. Moving we shall on. see. Maybe we Mike can explain it to us. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if uh, I don't think he's a he land knows about conservation like, easements. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and defend our lawyer here, going. I don't think his specialty is conservation easements. But I don't if think you, so if either. If you have something but... about debt reconsolidation, maybe that's more what he knows about. Yeah, <laughs> maybe contracts. Maybe he can understand the contract a little more. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Well, we shall see. That's a lot of information that they are discussing and trying to figure out. So who knows what will happen? I say sell off a piece of the ranch, but apparently that is not an option. Apparently that is not going to be allowed once he cancels this lease and slides the property into a conservation easement. Yep. I was impressed and I was like, oh, I got, I went back in my notes. I just searched in my notes because I did, I don't delete them. They're just, they're there. I don't yeah. know why. But I, I searched for conservation easement and then I went back to our episode and I was like, oh, Sheila, isn't that talking? so funny? Oh, we, Listen, I missed my calling as a researcher. What I can I tell know, you? Right? Well, it's funny that I said that. Didn't we talk about this before? And you're like, well, actually, <laughs> you know exactly, <laughs> exactly when did. we talked about it. <laughs> That's so I don't funny. don't quite have the episode down, but if I, if I, I can come back next episode if you really want We make a good to. team. Team, team. We, do. we do. High five. I'm plumb out of words here, Steph, but I think we have one more thing to talk about. Oh my gosh. This, this is, is kind of one. a whole thing, too. This is a yeah, big this, one. This ate up more of the episode than I was expecting. Yeah. And trust me, I ain't mad. Anytime you give me a flashback, I am excited for it because it just, it's intentional. There's things to be learned. And I, and it was bunkhouse shenanigans. I know. Which are the best kind of shenanigans in my mind. I agree. <laughs> okay, so we get, um, oh God, what's the actor's name? It just flew out of my head. Playing young John Dutton. John, uh, Josh Lucas, right? Josh Lucas, yes. Yes. We've said I this love before. when he's on the, I love when he comes back. I'm like, oh yes. It's such a great casting move. Yes. You know, we've said it before. Sorry if it's repetitive, but it's just like they did such a good job. He even has like the gravelly voice down yes. that John has. And I, I, I appreciate the affect and just the way that they dress him. It's very 
similar to how Kevin Costner dresses as John Dutton. So I just enjoy when they come back around. And we got to see the helicopter. We haven't seen the helicopter in a while. They've kind of retired the helicopter, which I feel is part and parcel of the struggles that the ranch is having. Like it probably got to be too much to maintain. Mm -hmm. And it just got quietly put out to pasture. But damn, this flashback was toxic. Literally. (laughs) See what I did there. (laughs) See what I did there. I liked the connection to present day, right? So we've we've seen in this series before where cell service is an issue on some yeah. parts of the, the ranch, right? So this, sure, this crew yeah. is putting up cell phone towers for the phone company. I assume this is the 90s. Was yeah, I right in assuming kind of, that? I don't know. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. It felt, yeah. It felt like 90-ish to me. Yeah. And I didn't see any like Tamagotchis or anything like that to like really indicate that it was an, I don't know. I had to like, <laughs> what was the most 90s thing I could think of at that moment? It was that. But, you know, John and one of the bunkhouse boys find this dead calf and they, they search it back to upstream, I suppose. Like, yeah. And then John like, and flies in yeah. and looking like completely like Wyatt Earp flashing his badge and his gun. <laughs> Although less light wide or because he arrived in a helicopter, but you know, still it worked for me. Well, it's so funny. He just literally marches up to the dude and punches him in the face. Like and what? Then shows his badge. Just and like, then it's like, oh, pulls a gun. Like I'm allowed. I'm allowed to do that. Oh my gosh. Um, but the aftermath of this is what I was like sitting there with the popcorn going, yes, this is what I signed up for Yellowstone for. Mm-hmm. When they come back at nighttime to, to wreak mayhem all over the site. I thought that was so funny to, like, drive this bulldozer off this little cliff and it, like, crashes and tumbles over and, it, like, falls to the side. And I was like, oh, that's not going to be easy to pick up. <laughs> I was like, that is art, how they <laughs> that <is> not. <laughs> how they were able to. Yes, it is. It's it's yeah. it's bunkhouse shenanigan art. Um, yep. Because in the trailer for this episode, I was, like, trying to understand what that thing was rolling downhill. I'm like, is oh. it, like some sort of farm equipment like i didn't know what it was because it was dark but i was just trying to figure it out so obviously it was this bulldozer running downhill quasi upside down um Mm -hmm. we enjoy anytime that the bunkhouse boys are are at it or they're at their their craft and it's not the ranching that's their craft so i always ask the question what is the significance of this i wrote down like what like what does this have to do with anything that we're currently experiencing on the ranch so I have a thought. Mm-hmm. I have a thought. So I don't know if it's a right thought, but it's, you know, just trying to connect what I see. I don't know if like the EPA approved mosquito spray that killed the cow and the elk and the fish in the stream in the 90s that we saw in the flashback relates to the cow that Ryan and Rip found. Because Ryan says that he didn't think the, the cow was killed mm. by wolves, even though the wolves ate the cow. Ate it, yeah. But he doesn't think that the cow was killed by the wolves. So I think that there huh. might be a connection to that. I could go there with you. Okay. Okay. It's just okay. a hypothesis. You know, yeah. again, don't at me if I'm wrong. It's just, you know, me trying to be a good don't TV watcher. <laughs> just trying to don't be a good TV watcher. hashtag me, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we're just doing this because, you know, we enjoy the show and we just want to talk about it and enjoy it even more. But yeah, I just wanted to pose that to you and just yeah. see if, if you thought that that could be a line that could be followed. I was thinking that it just reiterates all the different fights that they've fought along the way we've seen that like from the very beginning lots of different ways that they've had to fight for this ranch and this is just one more thing 
so that was where I was thinking with it. Um, I did think it was pretty horrific way to wake up in the morning, like passed out in a field with chemical burns all over. I was like, dang, dude, that was not good. Yeah, with the dead flowers and the dead birds next to him, that yeah. was not pleasant. That was not a good day. But yeah, so we have our dead cow now. I didn't understand at the beginning of the episode when Rip was like, shoot the wolves and shoot the coyotes, but don't, you know, scare off the bears and don't shoot them or whatever. And I'm thinking, what? Why Why would there be bears everywhere? Like, that was well, a weird thing to say. But then I realized he well, meant several that. several seasons ago, Rip got into trouble because he shot a yeah, bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I just meant, why would they all be there? And I and I didn't realize at first he meant um, because the calves have all, all just been born. So that's oh, what they're easy, worried easy about. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't catch that the first time around. So, oh, okay. yeah. So, yeah. So they find this, I guess, mama cow who had been killed at first somehow. And so then Rip tells them to hunt the wolves. And they do. And they night do. vision. So. Or thermal or whatever. It's taken five seasons and two episodes to have the intersection of the Yellowstone Ranch with the National Park of Yellowstone. And that used to be hinted at in the IMDb show description. I remember that from when we first started doing this, that the IMDb description was like the intersection of like the nation's largest ranch with the Native American tribe and America's first national park. So I was like, oh, but it doesn't say that anymore as a show description. So I feel like this wolf collar situation with Ryan and Colby could be really, really bad. Oh, yeah. You know, Ryan is freaking out. He's like, you know, they have Facebook pages, these wolves. I need to go find their Facebook pages. I know. I thought about the same thing. I was like, I want to find their Facebook pages. And what are their names? What are their names? And, you know, mm-hmm. I want a T-shirt. <laughs> he mentions, right? <laughs> he goes, uh, look, Colby was like, we're going to jog them around in a circle. He's like, what? But then Ryan's also freaking out because each one carries a 10-year sentence. And they killed five of them, six of them. That was a lot of bullets that, was, that they were right. firing, and, assuming and, they made and contact. Also, so. I was asking, too, the question of, like, you know, putting my notes. I was like, is that Livestock Commissioner firepower or is that Dutton firepower? Because that was some mm, major was, firepower. Yeah. Like, that was that's some true. high-powered rifles with silencers and those thermal scopes. I was like, damn. That's a cool gun. It's a cool gun. But, yeah, this whole thing with the wolves and the fact that they're from the park and then they wake Rip up. In the, well, he's not really awake. He's not really sleepy, but he's awake. I don't know. Just sending the collars down the river... It felt like when they sent Sarah, the reporter, down the river. It, oh. it had that feeling oh. to me. And oh, it was yeah. just like, even then, we were just like, oh, God, what happens when they find her and they see, like, bruise marks around her neck? Then they never oh, did. Oh, gosh. But it just makes me worry that one of these collars now gets stuck at the side of the river, so it's not going to have the intended effect. I assume what they wanted to do was have the collars kind of eventually fall off the logs. Yeah. But now this one's not. And I'm like, rut row. And I thought, too, okay, well, if they have trackers on them and they know exactly what they do, they saw that they stopped in this field for three hours. Right. Motionless. Like, it's not that hard to figure out. And all of a sudden they started running again, all of them. Right. This looks very bad. Yeah. Ryan is freaking out. Yes. So why didn't he get the depredation tags? They said that early on, like, you know, we need to get the depredation tags. And he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll get them. And he never did. I thought that that just because it would inconvenience have to do with Casey or 
involve him and they were just trying to avoid that at the moment. I don't know. But then when John comes back to the ranch later and ripped talks to him, he said he did, didn't he? He said he did, but Ryan never did. So oh. I looked it up. Wolf.org says that depredation <laughs> is when wolves or other predators kill or maim domestic animals. And there's compensation for livestock producers that can come from the state, federal, or private funds. Yeah. And Remember, the depredation um, permit allows a person in the U.S. to shoot certain animals on their property to protect crops, livestock, or domestic animals, okay. according to rules and regulations. So it's a little ambiguous. Remember when Steve Hinden like shot that guy because he was claiming that wolves killed his cow yes. or whatever? Yeah. Yes. So. This and he is said, a big show deal. me the depredation tag. Yes. And didn't have it. So... I have another question. So we see at the very end, well, well, before they send the collars down the river, Jake is in the tractor and they're tilling soil. They're tilling some of yes. the... Is that to bury the wolves? I thought for sure that some sort of animal was going to be chopped up in that. So I was confused. I was like, what are they doing? Oh, see, I thought it was they were just like churning up the soil in order just to bury the... Yeah, now they or... have six wolves to, to bury... I don't know why I assumed that I was going to see them be chopped up. I don't know. Maybe that's I'm being trained by Yellowstone to assume the worst. I don't know like why my mind went there. But I was like, oh, they're going to chop them up. What? And then it did, I was like, oh, OK, I don't know. So who knows? That was weird. Yeah. Why they showed us that? Why did they show us that, Sheila? I don't know. They don't do now anything by accident. Three. I know. I have to have my questions answered. But they're not. They don't do that. They don't just answer our questions. No, they string us along. A, yes, I know. And now they're going to string us along us for wait. twelve more hours. <laughs> <laughs> and we will love every second of it. Yes, we will. I mean, we'll bitch and moan about certain things, like you yeah, know, Dad yeah, having her yeah. childish tantrums. But you know, like secretly deep down, you know, we still love it. We love it. Otherwise, Can't why would enough. we be here at exactly. midnight my time? I know. I'm <laughs> talking so sorry. about. It. <laughs> Hey, at least it's a weekend. I'm not keeping you up to midnight on a no. Oh, please, I on a school I night. No, I don't. I don't. I don't care about that stuff. No, this is fun. <laughs> I love talking to you because there's so few people in my world that like watch Yellowstone like as religiously as I do. They're as, like, Why? as intently as we do. Well, and then you know, like we have to like know the stuff to go back. And be like, well, conservation easement was talked about in, in season two. Yeah, yeah. But now we also got like a little teaser trailer for episode three. So if mm-hmm. you don't want to know what happens next, now would be the time to you know sign off, and we'll see you next week. But if you want to talk about what <laughs> what happens yeah. next week, because it's not a spoiler. Caroline is ready to ruin the family and wants to turn her loose. And it looks like Sarah meets Jamie. And Casey tells John about the vision that he has to make a choice. And he's choosing. Yeah. And this is what I'm choosing. Yeah. And Mo says something to Tom Rainwater about if we can remove him. And Rainwater says, then what will martyr him? Martyr him to me sounds like someone's going to get murdered. And then Angela says that she's going to teach Rainwater the master rules, and it's going to be an unpleasant lesson. She's so cryptic. Well, she said in episode one at the inauguration that it's slave rules slave for you. Slave rules now. for you. So now it's master rule? I don't know. We'll, well, I'm sure we're going to find out what it is. Slave like, master. Ooh, she's been flexing her muscles mm. now for two episodes. Now I want to see what she's going to do. Yeah, me too. But you all should stay tuned for as right as soon as we stop talking, 
you are going to hear my exclusive interview with Tom Rainwater himself, Gil Birmingham. He was wonderful to talk to, as we've talked about earlier on, and we hope that you enjoy that interview. This is Sheila from the Yellowstone Podcast at Pod Clubhouse, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Chairman Thomas Rainwater himself, Gil Birmingham. Thank you so much for being with me today. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. It's, it's wonderful to Great. be here with you. Ready to talk some Yellowstone? Let's talk some, yeah, some Yellowstone. All right. So throughout the series, Thomas Rainwater and John Dutton have been the worst of enemies, but they've also been reluctant allies. So as season five begins, where are they in their relationship? Well, it's it's a real curveball that's coming out on season five this time because I think there was assumptions that were made in terms of this mutual alliance that they seemingly had uh, with the ambition of him becoming a governor and, and solely for the reason of saving his own ranch. It's going to leave the rest of us, you know, hanging in the wind and we're going to have to kind of pick up the pieces to see what those ramifications are and how we can uh, either capitalize on them or, or you know, there being a, a big detriment. It's a very, very precarious and ambiguous situation. So I've seen the season one premiere, and after being gone for a season, Angela Blue Thunder is back in the season five premiere, and she is holding Thomas Rainwater responsible for John becoming governor. How worried does Thomas have to be about Angela Blue Thunder and the challenges to his power? Um, that's going to yet to be seen, but it certainly puts Rainwater in a vulnerable position. You know, once John has decided that he's going to make the decisions that he makes, that leaves Rainwater kind of uh, floating in the wind a bit. So she's going to possibly try to capitalize on that. But um, yeah, that, that that's not a good feeling. She's quite a militant individual, so it makes it difficult in in a moral and ethical way for Thomas Rainwater to try to be the best kind of leader that he can be in terms of the cultural values that the you know that the tribe has for their leaders. You know, it's to be of service to people, not necessarily a militant. Yeah, uh, just uh, just her viewpoint in the, the premieres t- talking about slave rules for Thomas Rainwater just didn't hold a, a very good feeling for me about how he was going to be treated by especially her. So furthering on from that answer that you gave, so Rainwater, he has the education and he certainly has the confidence to lead his people, but there always seems to be a question of his authenticity to lead the Broken Rock tribe because he wasn't raised there. And that, that you brought that up in a, your very first scene in season one. How much of a need is there to prove himself and how that plays into the character and how you approach him? Well, it's not uncommon for members in the community to kind of have that experience. You know, for many years, there was uh, the parents that wanted to protect their children. So they they wouldn't, just like his adopted parents did, they wouldn't inform them of their, their heritage or their ancestralness in order to protect them from, from the racial prejudice that they know they would endure. I mean, it was better to be considered a Mexican than it was an indigenous person. That's how distinctive it was. But I think once he found out that it, there was a piece of him that clicked and, the, and he knew that there was some purpose that he had that he wasn't in touch with. So it gave him purpose. It gave him meaning for his life. And I think that's going to be the thing that fulfills him and try to, you know, encourages him to take the system that he is privy to, to be able to educate himself and to make a purpose in his life that's going to benefit all the people because that's that's a responsibility. And it extends itself to the, the to the responsibility of the stewardship of the land. You know, if the land all around us is being decimated, then how much longer will it last? So it's for the good of all humanity. So we last saw Thomas at the end of season four, helping Casey on his vision quest. 
Meanwhile, there's the fans then of 1883, which has spun off since uh, since the end of season four. So the prequel series, we're wondering if Casey's son, Tate, if he represents the seventh generation after which the Yellowstone Ranch will revert back to the first people from the Dutton's hands. So I'm sure you may not be able to say anything about the specifics in terms of spoilers, but can you talk about generally whether Thomas Rainwater will continue to take an interest in Casey, Tate, and Monica, even more so now after Monica's accident in the uh, in the premiere? I don't think that Rainwater really kind of uh, operates in terms of the timeline of what the seventh generation is. It's not so particularly specific as, a, it's, as it is the consideration for the future generations. What that timeline initially falls on really has to do with the dynamics of what is being encountered through the timeline. That's just the framework that Native culture and we we view in terms of our trying to keep the land the way it is for the next generation and the next generation and uh, that responsible stewardship that we have to, to keep that preserved. I think Rainwater enjoys facilitating Casey's struggle in terms of determining what a value system he wants to pass on to his son. You know, one being the, the colonial mindset that he was raised in and the other being the, the indigenous uh, of his wife and uh, how he wants to affect his his immediate generation and what kind of human being he's going to raise there that he would assume is going to be better than how he feels about himself. Just bringing it back to Tate, only because of the interest that Thomas Rainwater has taken in him, uh, especially uh, towards the end of season four and now at the beginning of season five. How important is Tate to Thomas Rainwater and to Broken Rock's future? Well, Tate is as important as anybody else is, you know, on the on the tribe. You know, he's just a member of, of our nation. And so he just has more of a personal relationship with Monica. And it's intertwined with the relationship that uh, Rainwater has with John Dutton, because that's that's the objective that he's fighting with or against as the story goes. Uh, so it's more immediate than that that uh, proximity okay uh that is all of the questions that i have for you for today so i would like to thank you for joining me today gail it's been an absolute pleasure and a joy speaking with you i can't wait to see what is in store for you this season well very good talking to you too i appreciate that thank you thank you have a great one thanks you too bye now Thank you guys so much for listening. Please continue to tweet us and comment and let us know what you think. Uh, We'd love some feedback and love to continue the conversation with you online. So yeah, hopefully we will see you, hear from you again soon. And if you could, as always, please rate, review, and subscribe. Those five-star reviews really help the show out and we appreciate the feedback. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This is Steph. And this is Sheila. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.